1: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Audio Time Capsule, episode 21. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I invite a guest on, get them to leave 20 questions, and then a year later bring them back on to answer them. I then edit it, so talking to their past self. All past voices will sound like this, and all future voices will sound like this. To give you an idea of how this show is structured, here is a question that I left myself before this week's guest arrived. Hi Simon. Uh, it is currently June 2017, and you are in a bit of a panic about the Edinburgh Festival. And it's your second show. You sort of skipped out on 2016 for a number of reasons. How did it go? And did you did you do another show? Like, have, have you started on a third show? Okay. Um. So, show number two is called "Laughter Is the Best Placebo." Uh, it's also got a podcast that i've got out on a similar sort of motif. This one was much more about mental health and much more about using comedy to to fill in some gaps for me as a person and uh i it was it was not as good as my first show <laughs> if you want to know the truth uh it was good it's just so you spent two years on your first show right as in as in from conception to execution and then you toured it in 2016 and then you spent a year writing the second show and although it had some amazingly good jokes in that were better than the first show I didn't feel like it was as much of a show so like it was more just a load of jokes which is fine but it just you know what I mean like you, you know what you want out of this and it's not yeah so that was interesting um, yes, you have, I mean, because this episode, this podcast took over 18 months instead of a year, because of me and Stu not having uh, similar schedules and stuff, uh, you have done your third show, and that was better than your first and second show. <laughs> um, that show was called Sex, Drugs, and Other Things I Never Do, and it has annoyingly set you up for, like, now you have to really stretch yourself for the fourth show, because the third show was it was just really good like conceptually as a, as a theme not as a theme as a, as a thing and the level of jokes that were in it and the way that it was structured and the ending oh god the ending i want to do that ending every night i just i love it it's just it's what i wait for every show when i do it because it's just great to the point of, you just had a conversation about two, three weeks ago with JD at Sweet Venues, where you did it this year, about bringing it back next year. That's in progress, so you might bring back this year's show and do next year's show at the Edinburgh Festival. We'll see how that pans out, but yes, you have done it. You weren't as happy with your second show as you wanted to be, but you were over the fucking moon about your third show. So yes, let's get into the podcast. In this episode, Comedians Comedian, former street performer although he never mentions it and podcaster Stuart Goldsmith talks about his life love and family discovering that was very radio wasn't it family discovering a new side to him and how he's had to make significant changes within himself and his life to adjust to being a dad for the second time it it was really interesting to hear the sort of actual behind the scenes of a dad comic I don't say a dad comic a parent comic because I feel like a lot of comedians who have kids immediately start doing material about kids. There's something about that always... Obviously, it's a big part of their life, so obviously, it's a big thing to them. But to me, this was a really interesting, like, oh, let's hear how that's made an actual impact on them as a person and how that's impacted the shows and I felt like Stu did a really amazing job of leaving great questions for that and it was really interesting to hear behind the scenes in his mind um, I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did if you're new here please do hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do remember to give us an honest ideally positive review in iTunes all of them help and all of them assist in getting bigger and better guests on And either way, please do remember to join the Facebook group. It's called the Audio Time Capsule, and it's on Facebook, obviously. But for now, let's open the time capsule of Stuart Goldsmith. I'm
3: Stuart Goldsmith. People call me Stu or Stuart. It is the 19th of June, 2017, and I am recording this underneath the comedy pub of the Bill Murray in a hitherto undiscovered by me sort of basement, really. It's like a basement under a pub full of kegs, one of which I am sitting upon. Uh, I am uh, excited about the idea of leaving a time capsule series of questions for myself and a little nervous that it will reveal just how self-obsessed I am.
4: Hello, this is Stuart Goldsmith. It's the 4th of October, 2018, and uh, we're in the upstairs room of the Angel Comedy Club. Uh, and I am full of trepidation, largely because I feel like last time I asked a load of questions in code, so only I know what I was talking about, and I'm worried that I will not remember what I was talking about.
3: How did the Edinburgh show go? This was a very different process this time, and uh, if you pulled it off as you feel you might you would have done something a bit different and a bit new. But this is the sort of hold your nerve stage. Remember you had a chat with Steve this morning where you basically were asking him to tell you to hold your nerve and keep doing this slightly different approach where all your instincts are going, no, be safe, do the old system. So what happened there?
4: Yeah, it worked. It worked. I did. Uh, Well done you. You pulled it off. Um, And Steve was absolutely right that you should hold your nerve. This was, of course, Steve Dunn. Uh, who's a, a comedy confidante of mine and and ours, and um, it did work. It was it, it it worked really well. It was your best show in a critical sense. Um, and then because this is conversation is taking place over the course of almost a year and a half. Uh, The second show refined that system of working in a deliberately scrappy fashion, creating material in the second half of a tour so that I'm perpetually trying out new stuff in front of an audience of people who've come to see me, as opposed to three men and a dog at a preview in the middle of nowhere. That was very uh, positive. That really worked. And then in 2018, you refined that and did it more so and kind of you keep trying to almost whittle the creative process down to its i mean efficiency is a weird thing to talk about in creativity but your personal situation being what it is in terms of your family and where you live and how much time you want to spend with your children um trying to be efficient about creativity is a sort of funny way to look at it and thus far it's been working really well so pat on the back for you and uh, thanks, Steve. That really did work. It worked. That was lovely. To clarify, the, uh, the system that we're talking about here is going on tour, doing a 40-date or so tour. And in, in the tour, in the first half of the show, I do the hour show that everyone's come to see. And then I'm very upfront and explicit with the audience, saying that you, you've you now seen the show, just before the interval. Uh, you've now seen the show. Um, I am uh, I now consider you to have had your money's worth. And uh, please come back after the interval for... Oh, no, I say it's not an interval. It's explicitly not an interval because the show is finished. It's a break. And uh, after the break, I will be doing some very scrappy new stuff and improvising in front of you around a series of index cards.
3: Who did you go with for the live podcast in the Montreal Comedy Festival? You were after, right now, as of now, we're after Mike Birbiglia, which would be very exciting, Um, but he's hard to get hold of because he's promoting a movie, and you always get very stressed about live booking for the podcast. Did you come to a resolution on that? Is it worth doing live ones? Why don't you just do pre-records and not worry about booking?
4: Well, that's not been resolved, has it? We didn't get Babigs in the end. Uh, we got Lewis Black, and he was excellent. It's a very uh, entertaining and invigorating episode. Oh, maybe it's been a it's been a few years. Maybe it was W Kamau Bell. I think in what it was Lewis was the previous year. It was W Kamau Bell, and it was fantastic. Really pleased with that. Um, you continue to try and get Mike Babiglia on the show, but. As you make the very intelligent point, um, there is a very different tone to live episodes of the comedians comedian podcast, and you 're aware of that you know they 're a fun celebratory thing they don 't necessarily engender the greatest depth and insight from an interview, but they are they 're like a different flavor of the thing. so by all means, keep doing them. You did a really fun one recently with the the team behind the no such thing as a fish podcast, the Q i elves. And that was tremendous fun. And also, you managed to kind of wrangle some genuine... not I wouldn't say insight, um, but in even though it was live in front of a big, big audience, due to their fame rather than your own, um, uh, even though it was live, you did manage to get under the skin of the, the dynamic of that team in a really surprising way, where it turns out that Chesinski is secretly the power behind the throne.
3: Have you managed get over your pre-podcast nerves yet. Uh, You are often, almost always, always far too nervous before podcasts. You have this weird... When you record your own uh, interviews, you have... From three days or so beforehand, you get really nervous about them in a way that kind of, it just sort of sits on your shoulders and makes you unhappy and stressed. And then as soon as it's done, you go, "Oh God, I don't know why I was worried. I won't worry next time. I remember now that that's what it's like. Have you resolved that? And if you did resolve that, did you resolve it just by thinking about it? I don't imagine so. Did you try and get someone professional to explore it?
4: No, I didn't resolve it. I haven't got anyone. It remains a thing that is uh, completely un- resolved uh it's a, a i haven't found a solution to that and uh that's really uh, frustrating um the aforementioned no such thing as a fish podcast big live one great big i mean hundreds of people came to that and uh a properly a stressful week beforehand you just don't ever feel like you can have done enough research and you have to stop doing that you have to stop thinking that because ultimately it's just a snapshot isn't it it's just a conversation no one is expecting you to have read their book they'd love you to have read their book and if you can find the time to great but no one is going to go what you haven't even read my book and if they do they're the dick so please stop worrying about it but i know you will continue to
3: how is the family what was his first sentence
4: the first his first sentence that I remember was um well, the one that will stick in your mind, although it's not technically the first, was Daddy take Daddy, can you carry me upstairs? I want to see mummy <laughs> Because he is prodigiously wordy. Um me and my wife talk to the boy all the time and always have, even when he was tiny tiny. And um uh he is very, very chatty. How funny to think a year and a half ago I didn't know what his first sentence was gonna be that's the one that will stick in your mind not least because you then wrote a joke about it but um, the family are really well and uh, three weeks from now two and a half weeks from now will have increased um, you are having a, a little girl in two and a half weeks and uh So the family that you hoped for when you recorded this, the plan, the king's choice, one girl, one boy. Someone told me the French call that the king's choice because it means you've got an heir. Historically, you have an heir and also someone to marry off in order to engender positive uh, trade relations. Um, So, you know, God, they're all great, aren't they? God, they're great. It's so weird moving from a time in your life which is about discovery and adventure to a time in your life which is about... um, sort of protection and family and like micro community as family is the other word for that and it's really weird you think about it all the time and it's having found the first 18 months of parenthood very very hard it is now (laughs) it's now hard but really fun and really meaningful and really hard and you now find yourself in a state of I'm not going to say naked terror, but certainly there's some concerns about um, having another one. What is it? What is it? Nerys sang to you, two babies, twice as easy as one baby.
3: How was Sifnos? It's probably worth it, wasn't it? Of course it was. Slightly enforced holiday to go and uh, see one's brother-in-law get married, but I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was lovely.
4: It was lovely. You absolute toad Enforced holiday. Got yourself involved. It was brilliant. However, you did nearly die on a ferry, and that almost wasn't worth it. Would you rather have missed the wedding and not gone through that experience? Impossible to answer. The wedding itself was lovely. Uh, everything about it was fantastic. The ferry journey, holy shit. You've never thought you were going to die for a solid three hours. And that... That's up there with some of the worst experiences ever, such as the cider hangover when you were 17, the day before your audition for circus school, um, where I remember you have quite glibly said since, I would rather have died then and not lived the last however many years than have had to have gone through that. So, and the ferry ride was right up there with that. But um, you're an absolute toad for, uh, for considering it an enforced holiday, even though... This year's post-Edinburgh holiday was also a specific trip to somewhere to see someone close to you get married, and that's absolutely fine. But next year, you mark my
3: words. Have you met any other new dads near where you live yet?
4: Yes, you have. Well done. Um, You've met one or two. And uh, also you've got some great material out of the fact that that's difficult. So that's the comedian's way of dealing with things, isn't it? Either fix the problem or write jokes about the problem, thus getting something out of it. Um, We went on Dad Camp. uh, And uh, next time we go on Dad Camp, we'll invite all of our kids. Um, But as it was, Dad Camp was a really fun... I mean, those weren't with dads that you'd met They were with a a few lucky dads near you, (laughs) a few lucky pre-buddy dads. And um, it continues to be a bit of an issue that you don't have that much of a community of male friends in your new city. But it also, you've actually been pulling your finger out and doing stuff about it and organising a sort of infrequent but uh, repeated yeah, I mean, look, it's a night at the pub. If you secretly think of it as sort of a men's group without telling them, that's fine too.
3: Have you got round to doing anything about the house? Anything. Not Not like an extension, but literally. Have you mowed the lawn?
4: Yes, you mowed, the- mate. You're smashing all of these. You mowed the lawn. You, you, um, you. What did you do? We've got the boy a Wendy house that was concreted in by absolute cowboys on a decision that I didn't make, and I knew they'd be cowboys, and they fucking were. And that bamboo is not going to stop growing out from underneath the concrete flat bit the Wendy house goes on. Nor can you dig it out because it's concrete over half of it. But you did mow the lawn and you patched the lawn. God, who knew how important you shit like this was going to be. You have successfully patched the lawn. And here's the tip for any comedians listening or anyone, um, uh, this is applicable to holidays. If your lawn's a state, really dig it, rake into it and put, wham, loads of grass seed. Ignore the instructions. Just as much grass seed as you can possibly get on there. Stamp on it, dance around, water it, and then go to Edinburgh for a month. And when you come back, bang, lawn. So that's very successful. And also, a week from now, uh, some professional men are going to come round to your house and insulate the cellar ceiling, uh, with you having sensibly decided. And it was a group decision, but you did go along with it.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either.
4: that although it was tantalisingly, that job was tantalisingly the upper reaches of your DIY ability, it was probably sensible to get someone to come and do it. And the quote was
3: reasonable. Did you get a builder to come and look at that lintel? Because that is definitely going to become a problem. Or have you held your nerve and decided to just keep quiet about it and hope nothing collapses until you eventually move, which could be years from now? (laughs)
4: <laughs> the lintel is not a problem! The builder came round, he looked at it, he went, no, 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 that bit's not the lintel, that's just a, that's a cosmetic thing which is broken. The real lintel is secure! Christ, this is so mundane. I love it. But this is 100% where my life is. God knows what I'm going to talk about. This is why I'm not doing Edinburgh next year. I have nothing to talk about apart from lintels and lawns.
3: Are you doing it again? Are you doing another show again? Are you currently working on show number 8? Is it ready? Is it sensible to keep throwing them out every year? Are there any alternatives?
4: Yes it was um because you did show number 8 and you concluded that a month ago and it's going on tour a few months from now and then on a bigger tour months after that in 2019 but you are also taking a break because you're not it's been 25 years at, at Edinburgh in a row and uh, you you've earned a break and you're it's not that you're starting to hate it. Let's start with that. But it's not that you're starting to hate it. You'll always love it. It's part of you. It's like your spine. You can't hate your spine. But um, you are tired of... You You will... You thought, when you were asking me these questions, that you would have run out of things to say. and you And you'd think, you'd say, oh God, what a relief it would be to not have to think of more things to say. And of course, it isn't that the reason you're not going is that you know what you do and it's it would be easy to bang out another show and you shouldn't bang out a show. You should... What, somewhere between wait until you've got something you desperately desire to talk about and also, just don't make this party boring by doing it the wrong way. You do this with everything in your life. You do this with festivals. You do this with all of the exciting elements of your work. And this is necessarily a part of your job. For all the exciting bits, what you do is you, you do them again and again. You go to a new place. You cast about. You go, how can I fit myself into this? How can I inhabit this? How can I make sure I always come back to it? And then you do that, and you do that, and you do that. And then eventually you look around going, oh, I'm a bit bored. Well, of course you are. You're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to kind of wedge yourself like those little not a crampon what's the one like it, it looks like a sort of it looks like the pedal that a drummer uses for the bass drum the foot pedal but you whack it in a mountain and then you is that a, maybe that's a crampon anyway the it you do that to things to festivals to to experiences and um you you just get in there and kind of force yourself into it and that we're not going to do that for a bit well we are we're just going to do it with a bunch of new ones also you went to south by southwest this year and really that's the one you've got to go back to and stick yourself in and inhabit and become a part of so you've learnt nothing but uh, congratulations
3: what happened at cambridge
4: what did happen at cambridge that's elusive where was I? This would have been before the. This would have been before the, t- the second time I took a tour show to Cambridge Junction. So I'd have been worried. Okay, gotcha. Um, you were worried that the aforementioned system of uh, doing the new stuff in the second half of the tour show. You were worried that in Cambridge, because when you'd done there in year one in Cambridge, you had. It was very near the end of the tour. It always seems to be near the end of the tour. So the new stuff that you're doing in the second half is practically the finished next year's show. So you went back to Cambridge thinking, oh God, I'm going to do a show and they're already going to have seen it. And actually it wasn't a problem at all. Loads of different people turned up and the hardcore that wanted to come and see you two years running knew what they'd be getting into because you'd made it so clear and you'd enjoy it. You are now faced with the perennial Cambridge problem where you actually said, like again, that was the one where it came together and you went, that is the show, it's ready now. And you actually said on stage to the people of Cambridge at the end of the two hours, you said, don't come back next year. I'm not coming next year. Oh, I might do. But if I do, don't come back because that was the show. And then they cheered in a manner that suggested they would come back. So don't worry about it.
3: Are you doing any regular exercise at all? No. Are you training again?
4: Nope. No further questions. <laughs> no further answers. No, because um, the training was in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which you didn't talk about whilst you did. Now you don't do it anymore, so you can talk about it. Um, basically, after an accident where you broke your thumb... Uh, in edinburgh whilst training um you there was a cock up with some x-rays and uh, you were told that your thumb was not broken but it was broken and you didn't find out till six weeks later by which time it had healed all wrong now i know you knew that a year and a half ago but what you probably didn't realize is that these days it feels pretty weak and achy when you're picking your child up And when you're doing numerous things you need to do with your thumb, so uh, you're not allowed to do it anymore. You've made a decision as as fun as all that rolling stuff is, you can't do it anymore. Because if someone grabs your thumb and pulls it, which is a frequent occurrence, it'll probably re-break. And you cannot be without a thumb. And it's really annoying being with a thumb that's crap. A crap right thumb, that's really frustrating. So you're going to have to do something else. You did do couch to 5k, and then you did 5k to couch. (laughs) You you did your running, you ticked the box, you went, I've done couch to 5k, Uh, and then you stopped. And you have tried to redo it a few times, but there aren't enough hours in the day, and you hate running. And actually, what you should do is get into trampolining, because you spend a lot of time bouncing around on trampolines at two different trampoline parks with your child and uh, he loves it and you love it and it's the most exercise you ever do so why don't you do more of that? Why don't you actually just do it? Why don't you go, right, Tuesdays at (laughs) 7.30 I'm going trampolining for an hour and get someone to teach you how to do it because it's really exhilarating and it's a bit like being a superhero because you do very briefly get to fly Um, so like, A, why haven't you been doing that since you were a child and B, get on and do that because if you don't you're going to literally have to start running again and you hate
3: it how was that big birthday?
4: Oh, it was fine. It was fine. you It was arguably the wrong decision to do it at Latitude Festival in order to kind of... What you did was, you didn't like the idea you were getting older. It was a big milestone birthday, so you had it at a festival so that no one would make a fuss about you. And then what happened? No one made a fuss about you. <laughs> Great work, mate. Yeah, that was, a, that was a poor choice, and it's very difficult to... It's very difficult to then the following year go, yeah, I made the wrong decision. Can everyone make a fuss of me now? You did try.
3: Did you get around to getting a new car, or are you still driving that monster that you love and hate?
4: You decided to sell the monster two days ago. Uh, this is very timely. So I've re- I'm realising as I do this process that um, my memory is terrible, except for things in my life, because I'm totally self-obsessed. So although I could not tell you what happened in June 2017 in the news, uh, I absolutely have all the same preoccupations. Very few of which. We- I wonder if that's what most happens to most guests... Um, Oh, God, it's just the same fucking stuff going round and round my head. Um, the, uh, you're very lucky in that your wife came into a car. And uh, let's rephrase that. Too late. Um, but uh, uh, you use that car now and you're dangerous. It's not dangerous, but it's lumpy as hell. And uh, it's just such a workhorse. You've done, no, you've done literally 100,000 miles for comedy in that car. So it's hard to let go of it. Um, but you should probably give it to a younger comedian who can do the next 100,000 miles.
3: Are you still so indecisive?
4: I want you to respect the self-control it took not to say, I don't know. Um, am I... Am I still so indecisive? Yeah. I th- I mean, I'm, I think I'm gradually... Uh, three things are happening which are solving that problem four things one i'm gradually getting older and closer to death so it's going to become less relevant uh two um you are as you age you sort of care less about stuff you know the, the, the fripperies you care less so it's easier to do stuff three your coping strategies uh featuring such highlights as always have the new item of food that you haven't had before that's been working very well. It's A, in terms of curing your option paralysis, and B, you discovered the spicy dragon tuna roll that Itsu do. Mwah! Um, and uh, there was a, there was a f- number four slash D, which you can't remember. But largely speaking, indecision is less of a problem, but not for great reasons.
3: <laughs> How's the temper?
4: The, you're asking this from the perspective of being a man with a one-year-old um, and... Uh, you wrote a show you wrote a show which was partially about having to confront anger because suddenly you were in a situation where your life was much harder and you and your partner were always in your you were always your worst selves. And as often happens with you, Stu, writing a show about it had a genuine therapeutic value. Telling jokes about howling with rage alone in your car worked. It made people laugh. Some people emailed you and said, thanks for talking about that. And a couple of other people's... And then you heard the phrase on the Scummy Mummies podcast, you heard them go, oh, the rage phase. And you went, oh, that was the... Oh, I never heard the rage phase. I didn't know that was a thing. So it's probably just that. And you've been considerably less angry. You're still a bit grumpy, but come on, you're a dad. You're allowed to be grumpy, aren't you? I I sort of almost hope the grumpiness sets in a bit because it's it's quite nice.
3: Did you ever find replacement trainers
4: did you ever find replacement tra- oh i know what you're talking about no you never did they're special they're special you don't care about clothes or fashion or trainers but there were a pair of special beige new balance size 10 with white polka dots and if anyone listening to this has got some or is a trainer collector and has kept some in a box i'll pay you double what they i'll pay you double the box value um, because uh, they were very special to me, and I loved them. And they're the most... I mean, yeah, they're fucking polka dots. They're the most outre thing you've ever worn, and you love them. And uh, not counting the uh, purple crushed velvet, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, but these were special, and uh, you never found them again. There's only one picture of them on the internet. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, but so if anyone knows, beige, size 10, New Balance, uh, white polka dots.
3: So, looking back over the last year, what memory from the last year of your life makes you most happy?
4: (laughs) Questions like this always make me think of um, uh, Crichton in Red Dwarf, where Lister says to him, if you could go back to any time ever, what would it be? And he says, last Tuesday. And he goes, what last Tuesday? He goes, yes, I did the washing, and then we all played Scrabble. (laughs) Because you you're just a lucky little wanker, and... There are memories from this morning. You had a kitchen rave with your wife and child this morning, and it was great. It was as good a memory as anything in the last year, um, or year and a half in this case. There's been some. There's been some blinding gigs here and there. There's been some very happy. There's been some very happy moments. There's been some really. There was a moment on Dad Camp where you realised that you're not worried anymore. That was good. It didn't last long, but it was good. Um, but it's all. It's all just the the family, isn't it? It's all just the family. Why didn't you get them sooner? <laughs> Stay alive, go running you twat.
3: Were there any opportunities you took this year that you wish you hadn't?
4: Ooh Um No I mean two It's two issues with that, which I realise isn't the same as answering answering the question. But the two issues are You've seen enough time-loop sci-fi, because it's your favourite genre, to know that you never go back and change anything. And also, memory's not great. So, off the top of your head... No.
3: Were there any opportunities that you turned down this year, that now you wish you hadn't?
4: No, I don't... I mean, either I don't get many opportunities, or I don't turn many down. Um no! I'm, you're busy, you're up to your eyeballs in doing loads of stuff. If you've ever turned anything down, it's because you don't tend to turn things down on the basis of fear. It would only be workload. And I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you I think you just say yes to everything, so I don't think the question counts.
3: If you could come back to here now, what advice would you give me?
4: Well, I'd see see that I wouldn't say anything. It's time loops, mate. You end up having sex with your own granddad. Don't do it. Um, What advice... Just don't worry. Just don't worry. Every No no decisions you make as a result of worry are good decisions. And just just plough on. Just, you know, do everything you're doing, but more so apart from the worrying. Spend more time with your family. Write more jokes. Work harder. Um, do more shows. Do more podcasts. Believe in yourself harder. Stop worrying. Just, there's no value to it. There's no... There is and I think I feel like we're on the same page with this, you? you know, you know you are approaching a kind of uh, an end point death. You're approaching death ultimately, and at that point you know and in a way that seems more real with every passing day, you know that there's no prize at the end, you know, <laughs> for going great. I really worried through all of it. Well done me. Thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs> That was Stu.
2: Hearing how much he has settled down and how he panics less before podcast recordings. And I used to do that. I used to worry so much before recording podcasts with guests. And now I don't really do it at all. And it was lovely to hear that other podcasters do that. Because you, podcasting is quite a solitary activity when you're doing the edit and setting up all the questions and, you know, sort of all, all the work that goes into it. So to hear that someone else has gone through a similar thing was really great for me. And I'm sure other podcasters will feel really good about it as well, because obviously in the end product, you hope nobody thinks you have that fear. Also, I've I've copied his system for doing an hour on tour and then doing a work in progress directly after it. And I can't thank him enough for that system. Like, It's a lot more work. Like it's not like, oh well, I'm there. I'll just do another hour because there's so much more arranging with the venue and the audience have to want to see you for two hours. There's so much work that goes into it. However, it has for me really revolutionised and made driving four to seven hours more meaningful and worthwhile in terms of creativity and in terms of money. So for me, I adore it and I love that system of churning out new material. So I'm glad that it works for him and I'm glad that it's starting to work for me. And uh I've actually just signed up for Leicester. Um so if you look out for me at the Leicester Comedy Festival, I'm doing my 2018 show and then I'm doing a work in progress for my 2019 show. So look out for that. That's the first festival that that's booked into. If you're new here, please do remember to hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do remember to give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. All of them help. The guests are reading them. I'm getting great feedback from agents and from promoters and PRs who are having a look at them. And at the moment, all of them are five stars. So if you could keep them at five star, that would be outstandingly helpful. And either way, please do consider giving us a donation. You can do it as a one-off on PayPal at SimonKane.co.uk or you can do it on Patreon from $1 an episode. Is this worth a dollar? I think it was feel free to do that on patreon.com forward slash audio time capsule podcast all the links are in the show notes the audio time capsule is a fruit that got in gravity's way production for the internet all elements were created by me comedian simon kane thank you very much for listening thank you very much for subscribing and thank you very much for rating and donating if you do I'll see you all in about 14 days time Bye.